Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christofferson. Brian, how are you doing? I'm doing uh, swell. I am doing swell. How are you, Schaefer? I'm not bad. I I, I asked a, a colleague of ours, Parker Gabriel, why Russell Wilson hates me so much. I don't know, as a, as a fellow Viking fan, do you feel like there's just there's an extra level of, of hate from Russell Wilson? He always twists a knife a little bit uh, in these meetings. Yeah, he's a little bit of a jerk store. Um, he was a jerk store to Husker fans, too, back in the day. I, I think Levante David sacked him on the first series when he played against Nebraska, and then Russell Wilson uh, went nuts, and he's been a pain in the butt ever since. Yeah, that uh, I, I, you haven't watched as much Vikings this year, which is smart on your part. I've watched yeah. too much Vikings, which is dumb on my part. Uh, that was That was a rough loss on Sunday. I was not happy. Yeah, I have uh, decided not to get over too uh, emotionally invested, although I did kind of get drawn in by Sunday's game. And and then when they didn't get the fourth down, I knew what was coming. So I was just – I was preparing for myself for that, and I just kind of quietly accepted it. Yeah, that's, uh, that's just part of the fun of being a sports fan. You think you have a great read on your team. You tell yourself, like, yeah, it's not going to be our year. I'm, I'm prepared for this. And then on Sunday night for me at about 7.30, it was like, all right, they can do this. They're due for a win like this. And then, you know, here we are. But Nebraska fans kind of know what that's like a little bit, right? Like they get they get suckered in a little bit. They do. Um, and uh, they're ready for another season here. And it's, uh, it's getting a little juicy, Schaefer. I thought today's Zoom call was uh, was interesting. Yeah, I, I did too. In no short part, and I guess let's just dive right into it. Uh, Scott Frost met with reporters today over Zoom and covered, you know, a, a number of issues. But the thing that stood out the most to me, and in no short part because I had kind of already assumed that it was Adrian Martinez's job, and maybe that was just a, a bad job by me, Scott Frost is really leaving the door open for Luke McCaffrey. So I want to ask you, Brian, do you think that has more to do with Luke McCaffrey making just big jumps or is this a, a situation where Nebraska just wants to be a little bit coy about what teams might see early in the season? Maybe all of the above. I think they want to be coy and I wouldn't even ex necessarily expect Frost to lay it out on Monday who they've picked. It'll be interesting if the depth chart, uh, reveals that or if uh, they kind of play a game of uh, cat and mouse with Ohio State um, but I I think it's McCaffrey moving forward and not Adrian falling down and I I don't think people should take Tuesday's information and what was said by Frost as uh, sort of the verdict that <laughs> things are moving on I because th I think that could happen um, in some people's minds, but I don't think that's what Frost was getting at. I just think McCaffrey has made it difficult on them in a good way because he just keeps making plays. And I thought that, you know, the quote that stood out was Frost saying, right now our offense moves exceptionally well when he's playing quarterback. He finds a way to make a lot of plays work. Um it was just the way he said that, that for the first time, I'm like you, I thought this was all Adrian. I was going to be shocked if somebody could beat him out in this uh, short term. 
And uh, suddenly I walked away from that Zoom call saying, well, who the heck knows? I still think it'll probably be Adrian for the first snap, but suddenly uh, I wouldn't bet uh, my house on it. I, like the, the interesting thing to me is we've seen a little bit of Luke McCaffrey, right? Like we haven't seen, we haven't seen a ton. I think he's somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 passing attempts. He's probably had, you know, a total of, of 50 to 55 plays on offense or somewhere around there. But based on what we have seen, how much do you think it changes Nebraska's offense if it were to be Luke McCaffrey, uh, you know, as the number one starter at quarterback over Adrian Martinez? I think it's going to be a pretty similar offense no matter who it is. I think Luke has allowed it to be that way by improving the passing game from the sounds of things. I know that he completed like nine of 12 last year or something like that. So in his limited data, he was pretty good, but they were all kind of safe throws, good play calls, stuff that kind of played to his strengths as a thrower. And you and I both know from listening to Verdu and the coaches over there that he had some work to, to do in the passing game. It was clear that he wasn't there yet. And it sounds like he's covered a lot of ground in that aspect. And because of it, Adrian, I know, has his own work to do in the passing game. I'm not dismissing that. But um, I think Luke has, uh, has made this conversation what it is in part because he is a much better thrower now. And it, he was just one of those guys last year. Whenever he was on the field, you felt like something good was probably going to happen. He, he sort of had this dynamic way about him. And a guy like that, you, you figure you got to find a way to play him. And I, I think Nebraska will, um, and even if Adrian's a starter, which I, if I were to make a prediction, I would still guess Adrian's going to be the starter to start against Ohio State. Uh, but I think you're going to have to utilize Luke in some way, some form, because he's, he sounds like he's just too good of an athlete and making too many plays to keep him off the field. I think I'm really guilty of sometimes – trying to read too deep into what Scott Frost is doing. Um, and I, I almost wonder if in a way this is an attempt to sort of let Adrian Martinez know that, you know, if you may be the guy for the Ohio state game or the, the first couple of weeks, but we're really comfortable with the person behind you almost as like a, almost as a motivational technique. Do you, is that something that you could perceive out of this? Am I reading too much into it? I mean, I, I hate being crackpot theory guy, but there there's just, I, I feel like sometimes Scott Frost, I think he's a pretty effective communicator. And I think also what he does is he leaves messages out there for his players. He definitely did it the day that he talked about, you know, Nebraska wanting to play football this season back in August. And then he got beat up for it. Uh, and I felt like that was a subliminal message to both recruits and to the guys on his team. Like this is a place that's going to play football. I sometimes feel like when he talks, you know, that there's, there's another ulterior meaning a little bit behind the words that he says, because he chooses them pretty carefully. I, am I ridiculous with this? Um, not necessarily. I mean, I, I think coaches are always trying to kind of send a message to, to players sometimes through the media. Um, I also just think it's a case to simplify it where he really likes both guys. I, I believe that I've always thought they were going to give Luke a fair sh shot. I know there's this narrative with some out there that like, you know, Adrian's their guy and they're, they're tied to him and stuff like that. 
they've recruited all these quarterbacks. You know, they saw traits in these guys. They all liked on the recruiting trail. And it, so one, this isn't like Martinez against Jebbia or Patrick O'Brien, where those were another staff's guys. These are all Frost and Verduzco's guys. And last year, let's not forget, we went into that season thinking Adrian was a, a Heisman candidate, perhaps. Right. And we went into that season expecting that McCaffrey was going to redshirt because that was a sensible thing to do. So to use last year as this barometer that, oh, they just wanted to stick with Adrian, that's a stupid thing to do because it was it was a different circumstance. Luke had a redshirt blanket over him then. Adrian, uh, going into it, we thought was definitely the guy, and there was a large gap between him and everybody else. He didn't play as well as we expected. And no, Vedral was in the equation too, let's not forget. And so I just – I think people need to lose that idea that it's just always been about Adrian and that he wasn't going to have to work and fight for it. And so uh, this doesn't surprise me that they're making him fight for it. I guess – it's not a surprise to me either that Luke's on the fast track, but maybe he's on a little bit faster track than I thought is what I would say. Yeah. I think that's probably a, a good way to phrase it. Uh, BC, I'm curious, have you been able to watch a fair amount of college football these first few weeks? I mean, when we've, we've gotten the return of the sec and the big 12 and the ACC so far. Yeah, I have. And um, I mean, what sticks out in a general sense is just defenses to me struggling um, not everywhere you go. Um, Mike Leach's offense has been contained when not going against Bo Pelini's defense, it seems like. So there's been examples where defenses have stood tall. Uh, but Cam Taylor Britt even talked about it today. He's noticed it, you know, that they're, and it, it's going to come down to good communication and, and being physical and being able to tackle in space. And I think so far when you watch the games, you can tell, uh, that some of the tackling and some of that part that probably maybe would be a little bit cleaner if guys had a full off season isn't quite in line right now. And it's making for some crazy games, but also some kind of interesting games. And I think college football is just an absolute crapshoot this year. And, you know, I know Nebraska has got a rough opener with Ohio state. You're playing maybe the best team in the country right off the bat. But when you get beyond that, I think you should look at what we've seen and say, Hey, anything can happen. And we, I mean, there's going to be some teams that surprise in a good way and some that surprise in a bad way. So I think Nebraska should see opportunity um, no matter what happens in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. However, like one of the things I've kind of, I've taken away and just sitting there watching, you know, whether it's Alabama, Old Miss or Notre Dame, Florida state, or, you know, you pick the game, Texas, Oklahoma, I, I wonder, I don't know if I worry as much about Nebraska's defense playing at a particularly high level, because I think that they should be at least average and average right now in college football could be pretty good. If your offense is good, I almost wonder if Nebraska is going to be able to score enough points sometimes. Like I, I think that I, I just, you look at last year, they averaged like 28 points a game. That's not good enough. They, I think they got to get up into the thirties and you see these other teams and they have all these different playmakers and it's an absence of being able to see guys like Elante Brown and Omar Manning and Xavier Betts and Marcus Fleming and Sevion Morris and Marvin Scott, because they're all young or they're all new. I just, I kind of wonder beyond your stalwarts of, you know, Adrian Luke, uh, 
Wandale Robinson, Dedrick Mills, does Nebraska have enough playmaking guys on offense? I think we're going to find that out. And unfortunately for them, they got to find it out against some good defenses right off the bat or expected to be mm. defenses right off the bat. Yeah. It's a good question about if they have enough playmakers. Um, we know they have a few. I think the worry is on the perimeter right now. It sounds like the tight ends have been pretty reliable and uh, if I could throw in a sneaky guy on the rise, I think it's Austin Allen. If you've uh, paid attention to these Zoom calls, it seems like Austin Allen is inserting himself into the mix uh, with sort of a three tight end combination with stolen Vokalek. And so I think they have a lot of faith in those guys. But you could tell today on the Zoom call when it came to the wide receivers, Frost doesn't know exactly who's available right now. Um Wandale's a little dinged up. Alante's a little dinged up. Omar Manning, we haven't talked about yet, uh, but you know, he said, I hope so when it comes to him playing week one, but there's been a lot of, you know, fogginess sort of around his situation and he's kind of been in and out and uh, hasn't been consistently on the field. And so some of these young newcomers that you hoped would sort of be rolling now in practice and have had two or three weeks under their belt, they haven't had that because they they've either been injured or other circumstances. And, and so that's where I, I worry about this group a little bit on the perimeter. And uh, you know, I don't know if they're as deep at wide receiver as I hoped yet, but we'll see. Yeah. I, I just think that uh, a lot of this is going to come down to, you know, do they just have enough firepower on offense? And I'm not, I'm not sure yet. And some of it, you know, if you want to play a ball control offense and they want to run the ball and have success with Dedrick Mills and play keep away a little bit, like they might be able to do that. But I don't know if their defense is good enough to do that because if you're going to play where you maximize possessions and they damn well have to score touchdowns over field goals and they just have to be highly efficient. We haven't seen that out of Nebraska. And it's just, it, it's such an interesting setup this year with this team because I think you kind of have to take a leap of faith as a fan uh, that, that they have some pieces that you don't either know about yet or that you've never seen do it are going to be able to do it and do it at a pretty high level. And, and mm-hmm. so that's going to be really, really interesting. What, what kind of else have you sussed out about this offense, whether it's in the run game when Ryan Held was speaking last week or, you know, uh, with the offensive line with Greg Austin, how are you kind of feeling about the offense beyond just what we know of the question marks at now wide receiver and quarterback. Yeah. Whatever questions there are, the offense has been moving the ball. That's been clear. They had a scrimmage Saturday and it sounds like they moved it really well. Whoever's quarterback Luke or Adrian, they've had a lot of success. I think that O line is sort of being a strength like was hoped for. I think Diedrich Mills is all they've asked for as a senior. And, uh, you know, beyond him, it's going to be interesting who the second or third guy is. I think that's still up in the air, and that's going to probably be a big um, storyline in the next five days or so when, if we see a depth chart, you know, who's, who's on that second line. Uh, Ronald Tompkins has been a feel-good story, but he might be more than that. That's kind of an interesting thing. Um, I think they're going to be okay at running back, mostly because I know you have a lot of faith in, in Mills, and I do too. If he can stay healthy, I expect him to have a really big year. Same. And and uh, I, I think you can get a lot done with him. It's just going to be a matter of 
finishing. I mean, this has been an offense where I feel like they've moved the ball sometimes where they have these games against like Wisconsin, where it's like they're moving the ball between the twenties or between the thirties, yep. but then it's like a force field that they can't penetrate. And uh, that's, that's the part where this team is going to have to win in the red zone on both sides of the ball. And if they could flip the stats in the red zone on each side, they probably win two more games um, than people are projecting. And I think that's probably cost them a a game or two every year um, so far in the frost era. So that's going to be a big part to watch. Do you know what their, their red zone stats are or what they were in, in 2019? I've written it and it's, uh, I'm looking it up quickly. Their well, red zone... I, I have it pulled up right now, and so I, I wanted to, to just kind of see if you knew off the top of your head. So last year, Nebraska got into the red zone 51 times. Yeah. 51 times. That's more than they allowed their opponents to get into the red zone. Mm-hmm. They scored on 38 of those 51. They only scored touchdowns slightly more than half the time. That's your killer for Nebraska's offense. You can't be at a 54% when it comes to a touchdown rate in the red zone. I mean, that's, that's not particularly good. And then on the defensive side of the ball, their opponents scored 40 out of 44 times uh, in the red zone. And then they scored touchdowns 30 out of 44 times. I mean, those are, those are some tough stats. I, I, you know, it, it probably gets discussed sort of offhand, but really a lot of Nebraska's lack of success last year comes down to how poorly they played when the field got condensed on them on both ends. Yeah, and that's that's the true red zone we're talking about. If you wanted to go further and talk about like an extended red zone almost, you know, to like the 40, yep. that, it would be even worse. And the Wisconsin game was easily the best example. That was the one, remember they had it like on Wisconsin, inside their 40, like eight times where they didn't score or something like that. It was, I, I might be off by a number or so, but there were seven or eight times where they walked inside the 40 and didn't come away with anything or very limited. So uh, that's, that's the part uh, where you change that. And like I say, I think it's, it shifts two games maybe on your win loss total. Yeah. It uh, it's the smallest of things that seem to, that can really, you know, change the way that you, you feel about this program. I mean, another thing, just looking at their team numbers, which sometimes I just have to go back and do just to remind myself of what, what it was last year because your brain thinks it's one thing and then you know the numbers might tell you it's something else they also started the year really hot on third down defense and ended up uh basically allowing a 40 percent conversion rate which isn't terrible it's not particularly good you'd like it to be more in the 30s and then offensively they were particularly much better there either at 41.18 percent uh and in both sections, they were they were a little bit better on fourth down on defense, and they were pretty bad fourth down on offense. I mean, those efficiency numbers are are just huge for this team, and it it really, as you said, just a, a few things could could swing it either way. Anything you want to get to on the on the defensive side of the ball, or anything there, or do we uh, we want to take a timeout and come back and talk a little recruiting? Well, I mean, quickly on defense. I, I still worry about outside linebacker. I don't know exactly who the backups are yet. And, you know, they've been a little banged up there, it sounds like, without coaches getting into specifics. And so 
they truly need JoJo and Caleb uh, to be healthy and uh, ready to take their game up a couple notches while some other guys get their feet under them. And so that's, that's a concern area. I like the secondary. I like middle linebacker. I like it enough that we talked about this last week on the pod. You know, Nick Henrich, there was that chatter of maybe he could move outside. Maybe I don't like that long term, but I could see where if you want your best 11 on the field and he's a guy you really want to get out there, you're like, okay, we've got three guys we really like at middle linebacker. We could use him as a chess piece a little bit. Um, So you do have to get a little creative like that maybe, especially to cover some weak spots. Uh, and so it'll be interesting to see what wrinkles they come out with that they're not going to share with us that we're all going to see for the first time when they step on the field. Yeah, absolutely. Sticking with the defense here, BC, we got a little breaking news as we're potting right now. Uh-oh. Uh, Nebraska has its alternate jersey for 2020, and it is going to be a white uniform with what looks to be black pants, a white and black helmet, and uh, a red chin strap. This thing uh, with a with a little black shirt decal on the shoulder. Uh, this thing is uh, it's a little different. Doesn't even look like it says Nebraska on the front, outside of a little patch. So, a a new alternate jersey for people to hotly debate until the end of time. Do you like it? I haven't seen it yet. Uh Generally, I don't like any alternate jersey, so I'm not really the person. One, I'm not the person they're ever geared towards. And then second, uh, I'm usually just opposed to them in general. Um, this one doesn't look particularly great, but uh, look, I mean, I, again, I'm not, the, I'm not the person that's supposed to, to, to really feel strongly one way or the other, I guess. Yeah. The, the uh, black helmet's a little jarring. Like, it, it's a white helmet with a black end and the black stripe down the middle. Uh, that that's a little different. I, I was not prepared for that. Well, I will wait to weigh in on that. Um, I do know that the the uniforms the Los Angeles Chargers wear on the road that they wore last night. Those are the best uniforms of football right now. I think. What what? Sorry, I you cut out there. What was the best uniforms in football? The the Chargers road uniforms. With okay. the yet with the gold pants, it's sort of the you know the with the powder blue stripe. I love those things. All right, I can uh, I can accept that. Those are those are good. I I found myself to just basically be a real traditionalist when it comes to uniforms, like just the the Penn State solid blue and white. I really like those. You know the the Notre Dame solid blue and gold pants. I like those. The Alabama and their crimson uniform like just the simplicity of it i think is ultimately what i end up liking the further it gets from the simplicity the more i'm just out on it but this is i'm an old man so this is basically where i you are you are old now so all right let's uh let's take a break before we before we depart though last call for these five star reviews hit us up on stitcher on apple wherever you get your podcast leave a five star review leave a question we're going to do the mailbag podcast on Thursday. We want your questions. You are guaranteed to have your question asked, assuming it is appropriate, of course. We do have standards. I know that seems ridiculous to say, but we do. Uh, You will get your question asked if you leave a five-star review. That podcast is happening on Thursday. You're running out of time. We appreciate it. We've been getting a flood of them. Very thankful for the support we get from you guys. 
But again, you have a question that you want answered, if it's about recruiting, if it is about the football team, if you want to know how Brian makes some of the soups, I think that'll mm-hmm. take too much time, but he'll certainly give a game effort if he uh, if he can. That's that's what we got for you on Thursday. So be sure to do that. Leave a five-star review, and we will get to that this week. All right, when we come back, we're going to get into a discussion on Nebraska's latest commitment, James Carney, and what the Huskers have left in the 2021 class. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com podcast. All right. I said that we were going to get into some recruiting discussion, and that is exactly what we're going to do right now. James Carney committed to Nebraska on Monday. Not a big surprise once the offer came in from the Huskers a week before, and he had actually committed a week earlier because he basically knew where he wanted to go as soon as Scott Frost gave the green light. BC, I don't know if you've seen James yet in person, um, but based on what you've either heard or if you have seen them or the film that you've watched, what do you think about this pickup for the Huskers? I have not seen him. So I've trusted you guys, you and Bronce, which is maybe a mistake, but I do. And, uh, I remember Bronce, it was week one when we were all scattered everywhere and I was watching Harburg. I think you were watching Fedone and he was watching James Carney and he texted us. They got to offer this guy. And Nebraska hadn't yet at that time. And then I think you saw him and you you uh, echoed those thoughts. And I just like the fact that, what, he's he's gained 30 pounds and dropped a half second off his 40 times since last year. Is that right? Yep. And then, so he does that. He goes and puts up the testing numbers that you want. And then on the field, he's doing everything you want there, too, week after week. It's really one of the more impressive individual stories of a guy with odds against him during the COVID situation, uh, completely just doing everything right and to a high degree to uh, get an offer and then make his dreams come true. And it's quite a story, really. Yeah, I'm glad that you kind of hit on it because I I think my big takeaway here is that James Carney is sort of the poster child of if a 
if a guy meets uh, the standards of what Nebraska is looking for height and weight wise, and you know, they, they kind of tell him like, this is what we need. That's what he went out and did. Like he, and it wasn't just Nebraska here from other programs. He had to get bigger. He had to be more physical for them to see him as a tight end. He heard from people he had to get faster. And so he was 190 pounds at the end of his high school season in November last year, put on 30 pounds by the time he showed up to the Warren Academy camp. He cut that speed down by half a second, which is remarkable. And he just continued to work. And he had one goal in mind. That was to get this Nebraska offer. And 2020 dealt him a terrible hand. Think about it. He wasn't able to have in-person evaluations. Nebraska couldn't go watch him work out in the weight room in, in May or April. He couldn't go to a team camp with his team and go work out with them and, and try to put, you know, to get in front of coaches that way. There wasn't the, the camp circuit. All of that was shut down. He couldn't go really do anything outside of the Warren Academy showcase, which was great, but it wasn't in front of the college coaches at the FBS level. His high school season, I, I distinctly remember the conversation I had with him in early August. They're getting underway. And we finish up the interview and, and I'm about ready to, to, to just kind of stop talking and, and hang up and everything. He just kind of says offhand, man, I just, I just hope we get three games. Just give me three games. He knew what he had to do and it was to go into his senior year and put it on film. And he absolutely did that. It took more than three games to get Nebraska to offer, but three games is what it took basically for Iowa and Kansas state and Pitt to come in. And it has worked out really well for him. Um, I think that he's going to be one of these guys that Nebraska fans are going to latch onto uh, pretty quickly. He's just someone that I think has the ability to make plays. He knows what Nebraska football means to people in this state. He's as excited as anyone that Thomas Fedoni is his future teammate, and that's who he's going to be competing against at that position for the rest of his time at Nebraska. He thinks those two, along with A.J. Rollins, have a chance to really kind of change the way people around here feel about tight end and tight end play in general. And so I, there's there's a lot of confidence, but I think it's backed up by the fact that he's put in the work. And so um, I was really happy for him that he picked up that Nebraska offer because I know what he had done to put that work in. But I also just think that it it shows that he bet on himself. I mean, he basically continued. He didn't get complacent with the fact that he, he could have went to Boise State or to Wyoming or to, to some of these Mac schools. But he wanted this opportunity and he bet on himself and it it worked out and we'll see how it plays out for Nebraska. And I, I think I said this on the message board, BC, and I don't intend for this to be a particularly hot take, but I, I kind of think James Carney might be the third or fourth best player in the state. And, um, you know, it would, would have been pretty surprising to me if Nebraska could have passed that up, uh, even with taking guys like AJ Rollins and Thomas Fedoni, that's a lot of talent to leave on the sidelines. Yeah. And he kind of, he set the timetable, wouldn't you say, a little bit? Because he said, yeah. I mean, he made that decision first off. He was going to go to a Mac school. Then he's like, no, okay, I'm, I'm rethinking this. And then he set a date, and that was prior to the Nebraska offer by a few weeks, right, when he set the date. Um, he hadn't been offered yet is what I'm saying. And so um, basically it was more or less, this is my time frame. If I don't hear from Nebraska by that point, I'm, I'm moving along. Now who knows what happens if Nebraska comes in after the fact? I'm not who that's a guessing game, but that that was interesting how that worked out too to me. Yeah, uh, for sure. And he kind of I think he kind of knew what he was doing when he did that and 
he he's been ready. Like he's been ready to kind of be done with this process. And one of the things he told me was that it was nice to just have one team that he could focus on last week. He didn't have to answer phone calls or text with anybody else or, or, you know, he could just focus on Nebraska and that's going to allow him to focus really on Norris. And so the next big thing, and I wrote about this on our site today, if people kind of want James's own words on it is what he's going to choose to do uh, if, if it's enroll early as a, as a mid-year guy, or if he wants to finish out his senior year. And I know a lot of Nebraska fans feel like this is a slam dunk, easy decision. I don't really think that it is because I don't think there's a lot of proof that enrolling early sets you up uh, for a lot with college football. I, I don't know. Am I, am I kind of overthinking <laughs> that one a little bit? Because I just, I, I think if you go back through even the recent classes, yeah, for every Wandale Robinson or Adrian Martinez, there's a handful of guys that don't even stick around after that first semester. I'm not saying that's what would happen with James Carney, but it doesn't guarantee success. And so I think it's a difficult decision to pass up the memories and the experience of being a senior in high school to go get started on something that may or may not give you a better chance of being a football player at Nebraska later on. Yeah. And you, you don't know exactly if we're still going to be living in this sort of uh, well, I would guess you will be uh, where it's still kind of difficult to do workouts and things like that. Um, you, where you have to go through a bunch of hoops, you know, to, to do that while you're on campus. So uh, it might not be your normal spring or winter enrolling like it usually would be because of we're still in this weird climate. So, yeah, I don't think that's an easy call at all. And that was interesting what he had to say. Um, I know he's got some friends that are coming to Nebraska for other sports and stuff like that. Um, I think he knows New Ely uh, on the offensive line. Um, you know, they know each other. But, yeah, I could see where that's that would be tough to do. Yeah. And now kind of as we turn the page, because James Carney's commitment number 19, Nebraska sits at 21st in the 24-7 sports composite rankings. They sit fourth in the Big Ten. They have an average ranking of, of uh, 0.87, which is just a shade under being what you would consider to be a high three star for their class average. They're getting close to finishing this thing up. There's not a lot left out there. Ruquan Buckley, Defensive lineman Nebraska liked was supposed to announce on October 14th. He's pushing things back. Jalen Weaver, another defensive lineman Nebraska likes, expected to announce on Halloween. Mandela Tobin, I just talked to earlier today. He's not going to announce until next spring. Defensive defensive line is the last thing in this class Nebraska doesn't really have yet. I am uh, I'm going to be kind of curious who they end up with and and how many, but. BC, beyond that, when you look at the 19 Nebraska has, how do you feel about this class as it sits currently? Pretty good. Uh, Just because of the situation. Uh, If you had told this staff and I think fans that they would sit, what, 21st in the country right now uh, without having official visits, which I know everybody's playing by the same rules here. But let's be honest, you know, Nebraska is in a smaller population state. We all know they have to recruit nationally more than some other programs. There's there's good regional talent, fortunately, in the area of this class. Uh, but there's still not as much as some schools, obviously, in the southeast and like Ohio and stuff like that. So I think for them to be where they're at uh, is excellent. But the D-line question is big. they got to get a couple guys that I think where you – nod your head and say, okay, they did it. You know, they got through this thing and they, they put together 
a pretty complete class. That's that's the missing ingredient right now. That's where what the soup is missing. I would not be ready to serve this soup yet because of those lack of D linemen. Man, it almost seems like we could do a bit where you do a recipe of what makes a good class is the same as what makes a good soup. And then you go through each ingredient and you break it down. I think this could be a video. We could turn this into something, Brian. Okay. We will, we might have to workshop it a bit, but um, that's an idea. All right. Do you, uh, do you have any spoken, uh, spoken lyrics you want to get to? I know that people like that. Oh, you, man. do you want, uh, do you want to unveil or tease any potential sock talk? We got the big 10 coming up. You have some staples that people have been missing. Yeah. Let's do some sock talk uh, next week before the opener, maybe. Um, and I think friend of the uh, pod, uh, Todd Peterson, former Husker great, uh, wanted me to read some lyrics, but I didn't see what they were yet. And so I, they haven't, I haven't looked through them if they're appropriate. I don't know if Todd Peterson is sending me on a, a wild <laughs> into, into trouble here. You, you're afraid that Todd Peterson is trying to make you look bad on your podcast? <laughs> trying to make me look bad, just like he made uh, Dabo Sweeney's defense look bad in uh, 2008. Look at that. Look at that reference. All right. Uh, if you have any other final thoughts or should we go ahead and close this thing out? Let's close it out. And so, so we can uh, grade those alternate uniforms appropriately. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right. So be sure to check out Husker 24 seven. We got plenty of content. If you missed anything with the James Carney stuff, you got plenty of stuff there uh, with what's been going on with that commitment and what is next for Nebraska. There was a lot that came out of that Zoom with Scott Frost. We hit on some of it, but there's still even more. We have updates on the website for you. Check that out. We have a great mix of free and premium content. If you want the premium content, become a VIP member. We've got deals running all the time. We should be able to take care of you there. So, as always, check out Husker 24-7. We are doing the mailbag show on Thursday. If you want your question guaranteed to be asked, be sure to leave a five-star review on wherever you get your podcasts and we will make sure to get that question in and uh we might have another opportunity or two for people to try to get some mailbag questions in but those won't be guaranteed but that is our plan so we'll have that show later in the week i'm mike schaefer he's brian christopherson we'll catch you next time okay picture this It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.